Welcome to Kensington, your hometown church for great community and quality refreshments. Help keep the auditorium clean by depositing litter in trash receptacles. No talking or texting during the service. And be sure to use the Kensington app or visit the Starting Point team after the service to learn more about Kensington and receive a free gift. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the service. It's Well, as you can see from that video, we are in the middle of Kensington Goes to the Movie series. And uh, welcome. My name is Mike Nelson. I'm part of the arts and production team here at Kensington. And one of the things you saw in that video was something called Starting Point. So if you're new here, you're visiting, thank you for being here. But if you want to find out more about Kensington and get connected, you can go out to the lobby, look for people in the blue t-shirts, and they would love to help you out again. If you're new, go to Starting Point. Now, if you're anything like me, uh, this summer, you're going to be traveling a lot, maybe going up north, seeing family, visiting one of our great lakes. But there's still ways that you can stay connected to Kensington. Of course, you have our website, kensingtonchurch.org, and you have our app that you can download free. And those are great ways that you can watch our services, stream our services, or even get caught up to speed. And then, of course, we have social media as well. We have Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. So if you're traveling, there's still ways that you can stay connected. Now, if you're in town, we do have a couple of events coming up that are really awesome. So this Wednesday night, we have our midweek service. It's going to be a special night. It's a worship night. And what's also, we're going to have tailgating before and after the service. So at 530, come with your friends. We're going to serve hot dogs in a meal. If hot dogs isn't your thing, you can bring your own meat, and they'd be happy to grill it for you. So the service starts at 7, but you can be here at 530 for a tailgate. And then after the service, we're going to have ice cream for you. So a great night to bring out the family and an evening just to spend with us. And then also, August 5th, we have our annual baptism event at Stony Creek. Uh, so every year, Kensington storms the beaches at Stony, and we have about 2,000 people out there, live band. And so for you, maybe you've recently made a decision to follow Christ, or maybe you made a decision long ago, but you've never been baptized, or maybe you're baptized as an infant, and maybe, of course, you're not going to have any memory of that. And so this would be for you. So if you want to get baptized, um, you can go online, uh, check it out, kensingtonchurch.org slash baptism, and we'd love to get you connected. It's going to be an awesome night, August 5th. Well, today we have a special guest with us as we're going to tackle the movie Wonder, and uh, that guest is Dave Nelson. And so for those of you who don't know who Dave is, Dave was on staff with Kensington for, oh, some people are clapping, Dave. They still like you. All right. So uh, Dave was on staff with Kensington for 13 years, and then in 2003, God had a this idea to bring Dave and Susie and the three kids and a bunch of people from Michigan and go to Salt Lake City to plant a church called K2. So he has been in Salt Lake City now for 15 years. The church is doing great, and every once in a while I would like to bring him back. And I love it when he's back because he's my brother, so that's a special gift to me as well, but also to the community. So before we uh, move along a little further, I'd love you guys to stand up, say hello, and maybe tell somebody what's the one movie you cried the hardest at.
A shot that takes my breath away You fall like rain Cover us in drops of pain I'm afraid that we just might drown Dear hey Will you sure are colorblind? Your kiss is the coolest kind You can poison any man Just looking back Don't know how this world keeps spinning everybody. So glad to be with you today. Love being here at Orient Campus every time. It's a joy, especially with today's message. I'm really excited about this. Can I just ask real quick before we start, how many of you have not seen Wonder? <laughs> Are you serious? Can we, we should just show the movie. <laughs> All right, I will do my best. But this is a fantastic movie. I, I take a little grace. I watched it this week, okay, so I could give the message. Um, but it is a fantastic movie. You really, really should see this. 
but love and hate, super powerful on both sides, impact every one of us in this room almost every single day. And in this movie, as we'll look at the, the, the themes, we're going to see acceptance, which feels so good, versus being rejected, which all of us have experienced, of having someone actually show interest in you, versus being completely ignored, of being seen, and of being invisible. See, because those two things on those sides, what they do is when you are accepted and shown interest and you're seen, it makes you, it just does, you feel valuable. And when you're rejected, when you're ignored, and when you're invisible, you feel worthless. So trying to get to this place where we can help each other with that. So I started off in 1990 here at Kensington as the youth pastor. And, um, and I want to tell you, one of the craziest things about do, doing youth ministry is every time we would take a group of high school kids to a retreat or a camp, and there were other kids, uh, other churches that were coming, it would take less than an hour, and the kids would get off the bus, and they would find the other kids that were just like them from the other churches. And they just migrate immediately. You can see the athletes finding the athletes. You can find the kids that were going to cause trouble all weekend, finding the other kids who were going to cause trouble all weekend. And we just migrate to each other. We love to be around those people who are like us. So I remember I used to do this every trip we would take. We'd have a few vans, and uh, we'd stick these kids in the van. And on the trip, we'd travel for about an hour, and then I would actually make them switch who they were sitting with, and they'd have to sit with other kids from the youth group. Oh my God, they hated that. I mean, they hated it. And they would sit in the back, and I'd look at my rearview mirror, and they're all sitting like this, and they're pouting. And then eventually they just start complaining, why do we have to do this? Right in the van. While the other kids are sitting next to them. Why do we have to sit next to these people? I remember sitting there as a 25-year-old going, I feel like a parent. Because all I want to say is, just because. Right? Just listen to me. But it's crazy because none of that changes. It's not high school, man. It's happening right here today. When I was uh, in 1997, I actually went out to California to finish up my master's degree. And, uh, and it was the first time since I graduated from college that I was actually free to go to other churches. And so I thought, for six months, I'm going to go to a different church every week. And I just want to see. I just want to see what God's doing, what it's like, because I may never get that opportunity again. And it was fascinating. One of the things I learned is uh, almost every time that I went to a church, no one would acknowledge that I was there. And it was unbelievable. And I went to all sizes. I went to churches of hundreds of people. I went to a church of like less than 100. Everybody knows you're the new guy. And I'm kind of sociable, right? I mean, I'll engage with you. And I would stand in lobbies and everybody would ignore me. And I remember, I was so glad I experienced that as a pastor, because I'm like, okay, hold on. We've got to create a different environment. So I don't know what's happening here. What's happening here this morning out there? You know what the coolest thing was? You know what the friendliest church was that I went to during those six months? Saddleback Community Church. You guys know Saddleback? Rick Warren? <laughs> okay. Rick Warren's church, 
Thousands of people. I mean, if there was any place to be invisible, it was there. But when I walked out of that church, they had these tables set up for different ministries. I could not get past that those tables without people reaching out to me. They saw me. They engaged me. And they wanted me to, to invite me to what they were doing. And I thought, could that be why Saddleback has thousands of people? And so it doesn't matter. People always leave a larger church. And say, no, we got to get to a smaller church. Because No, you don't. You just need to see each other. And so one of the most painful moments for me ever was years ago, uh, after I moved out to Salt Lake to start K2, I had this incredible invitation to join about, I think there were probably about 30, 30 to 40 major leaders in the Christian community nationwide. And, and, I, and I had a connection. That's the only reason I got invited. Because I'm like, I, I looked at the who's who's of coming to this list. I'm like, what am I doing here? And I want to tell you, I don't think in any other experience ever in my life have I been so invisible. I'd see a few guys stand around talking, so I'd come up and just try to engage the conversation. They wouldn't even acknowledge my presence. And their shoulders stayed against me, and you, eventually you feel really awkward, right? <laughs> and you're like, okay, and you kind of move away. You know, you'd sit at, the, at a table with six people and while eating, not one person would engage in the, me in conversation. It was, it was, I would go to my room at night and it was so painful. I'm, 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 like in my, I'm like in my late 30s, I'm pastoring this cool church in Salt Lake City and all I could feel in my heart was you don't belong here. You are worth less. And it's super painful. Why? Why is it so painful? When that happens to us, it's because God has created us for relationship. We are actually created in his image. And in the very nature of God, he is love. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And so we are created for this need for love. And then Jesus makes it really clear in Ephesians chapter 1 that the whole purpose of God in Christ was to bring unity to everything. So God has created us. So when you feel that, when you feel that rejection, when you feel being invisible, when you feel worthless, when you feel you're not good enough, that is a pain that actually should be there because you were created to be like this. In fact, Jesus died, which we'll get to here later in, this, in the message, to help us to become like this. And when we're separated, and when we're isolated, when we're labeled, and when we're divided, the Bible actually calls that evil okay so let's not, I, I don't like this topic is something the whole world's very interested in as followers of Christ or if you're here pursuing the possibility of Jesus Christ you need to know something about him he says anytime you separate yourself from other people anytime you judge other people anytime you divide yourself like that he goes that's actually evil he calls it earthly instead of heavenly he calls it unspiritual instead of spiritual, and this is crazy, he actually calls it demonic. It's demonic. Pain and sorrow versus pleasure and joy, death and life. So here's the reality. In every situation that you are ever in, so tomorrow morning, when you go to work, when you go to the gym, anytime you're gathered with other people, and even this morning here at Kensington, 
Every one of you in this room, including me, will do one or the other. We we either will be used to see each other, to engage each other, to love each other, or we will be people who avoid each other, who ignore each other, and don't show value to each other. Those are your two options, even this morning before you leave today. So RJ Palacio took her kids to an ice cream shop years ago. And while they were there, her little three-year-old boy had his ice cream, and a girl, a little tiny beautiful little girl with facial deformity sat next to him. And the little boy got so scared, literally scared, because he was sitting next to this little girl with facial deformities, that the mother, RJ, abruptly picked up the little boy and took off and they left. And so in her article, uh, I mean, sorry, in an interview with NPR, she said this. She said, I was really angry at myself afterwards for the way I had responded. What I should have done is simply turned to the little girl and started up a conversation and shown my kids that there was nothing to be afraid of. But obviously, RJ couldn't go back and do that, so you know what she did? She wrote this book called Wonder. And this movie, Wonder, is based on that experience. So it's not a true story, but it's based on reality. And what's amazing is she actually had the actor who plays Augie in this story go and meet children who have facial deformities. He went to a camp and hung out with little kids who have facial deformities so he could understand this. And in this story, since most of you didn't see this movie, it's a story of a little boy whose name is Augie and he's born, okay, with deformities that require multiple facial surgeries. So his mother actually homeschooled him his whole life to protect him. And what's interesting, Augie even wore a space helmet. He got a space helmet as a gift when he was real little, and he wore a space helmet every time he went outside the house because he didn't want to deal with people's reactions to who he really was. Well, it's middle school, and his parents finally decide, Augie, you need to go to school, and we need to take this step. It's a risky, reckless step to send their boy, Augie, into this world that loves to judge based on those type of things. And I'm gonna tell you, man, the rejection and the isolation, the bulliness that he experienced is brutal. It's brutal. And it reaches a climax in the movie from this scene. We're just gonna show you one scene today. Um, His main antagonist is a young guy named Julian. And you're gonna see Julian come in here in the the meeting. And then uh, eventually uh, the principal is going to have a conversation. The principal makes a fantastic statement. But just to kind of set up this, and since most of you haven't seen this, let's watch this clip real quick from Wonder.
great line. Augie can't change the way that he looks, but maybe we can change the way that we see. So in this story, there's a ton of rejection, but there are a couple kids, a couple people who actually see a little bit differently. And we're just going to kind of show this, this clip on the screen. I'm just going to kind of uh, explain a little bit of this for you, um, I think. All right. Um, but there were two key fellow classmates in the story. This guy right here. This is Jack Will. And you're going to see Jack here, right? He's, there's Julian and all the cool kids sitting at the table. Right there, Jack makes this huge, reckless move. Totally sets himself out to be rejected by the cool kids. But he comes and he sits down by Augie. And Jack somehow sees something different than every other kid sees. And, um, and we're, just, we're just showing this, this clip uh, for our streaming audience because they, they, they get blacked out when they can't see this. But they just start enjoying each other and having fun with each other. And there's another, another student as well called Summer. And Summer is another girl. Those two, Jack, Will, and Summer... They see, they have the ability to see beyond the differences, to not get caught up in the pattern of the school because the pattern, the way of thought within the school was to reject Augie and to leave him by himself. But these guys can actually see something different. And it brings life. That's summer right there. Augie shares with him that he doesn't like to eat in public because he eats kind of like a dinosaur and it makes it, and so Jack goes, me too! So he just dives into his tuna sandwich and they start to enjoy each other. Look at the smile now. And I love this scene because for the first time, Augie starts to come alive. One person who could see who he really was helps this kid come alive alive. In the, in the book of Ephesians in the Bible, Paul says this, he goes, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you and me the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that we may know him better. I keep asking that the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ would open up the eyes of your heart so that you can see. So here's what I want to do. Before I jump into the couple teaching points that I have for today, I just want to pray, okay? I want to pray for us. And, and here's what I want to just, I just want to remind you of this reality. Because here's the cool thing about God. God actually does speak to us all the time. He really does. We're just actually not aware of it. And the way God speaks, it says that the Spirit of God actually knows the thoughts of God. And then the Spirit of God can actually, inside of us, in our spirit, give us the thoughts of God. And so what's going to happen today, as I'm speaking to you, you're going to have thoughts, right? You guys are going to think all the time. You're going to get distracted, but you're going to have these thoughts that are going to pop into your head. And sometimes you're going to be able to tell that thought is coming from here. You're not thinking it. It's actually coming from here. And that's when the Spirit of God is trying to open the eyes of your heart so that you can know God better, so you can know who Jesus is better, so that we can know what life is, okay? 
So I'm just going to pray right now and ask God through his spirit to give us his thoughts, all right, so that we can live in his way before we go out. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this morning, and thank you for this truth about you that we're going to dive into here. And Lord, I just want to ask right now, on all of our behalfs, that you would just cover this place, just cover Kensington right now, and make this a holy place, which means a place that's just set apart unto you. And I want to ask God that you would speak to each person in this room. God, because some people in here today, they're the ones who are feeling invisible, feeling rejected, feeling worthless, feeling like they can't measure up. And I want to ask that you would speak truth to them today. And God, all of us, there's not one of us in this room who isn't struggling to love people who aren't like us, to, to love people... And we need you. I'm asking that you would speak to us. In fact, God, right now, I actually want to ask, would you tell every person in this room who their Augie is? Who's the person that they're avoiding? Who's the person that they're rejecting? Who's the person that they're keeping their distance from and not including and I just pray that all morning long as we speak, you might keep that person in front of our mind and then give us the image of that guy, little space suit, skipping. Help us to realize that we could be life-giving to each other in this room and to that person that just came to our mind. And I pray that you do that for us in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so Paul wants us to see and one of the ways that we can see is Jesus, right? One of the beautiful things about Jesus Christ coming to earth is that the Bible tells us that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. So we can actually look at Christ. One of the great things about Jesus Christ is we can actually see him. You can read about his life in the scriptures and see what God is actually like. And one of the coolest things is right off the bat, one of the things we learn about Jesus is how he views people by the selection of his 12 disciples. Okay? So Jesus is going to choose 12 disciples. And later on, they're described as unschooled and ordinary men. Okay? Jesus didn't go out. He didn't decide, hey, I'm going to change the world with the world changers. Jesus went out and found people that nobody else saw as special at all. But not only were they not very special people, they also weren't alike at all. One of my favorite things is that Jesus actually chose Matthew, a tax collector. Now, if you were a tax collector back in that day, you actually worked for the Roman Empire. And so the Jewish people were under Roman rule, and tax collectors could actually come by and get the tax that was due the Roman Empire, but they also were cheaters. And they would always take as much as they wanted for themselves. And they could do that! It was illegal, but they could do that, and the Jews knew that. And so Jewish people hated the tax collectors because you're like wait a second you're jewish like me but you're working for the enemy and you're robbing me so jesus this is so funny too i don't know if you guys know this the bible tells us that when jesus the night before jesus actually chose his 12 apostles it says he prayed all night long you know why 
I, I don't know why. I, I think, but I think what it tells us, I think he was wrestling with his dad all night long. <laughs> and he's going, are you serious? <laughs> these are the guys that you want me to choose? I'm going to have to spend three years with these guys? You want me to choose Matthew, a tax collector who Jewish people hate? And here's the other guy that the, 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 God's, the father told Jesus to choose. Was Simon the zealot. You guys know what the zealots were? Zealots were the Jewish people who had so much zeal for the nation of Israel that they were militant against the Roman Empire. And so right there, Jesus is going, okay, here's who I'm supposed to choose. Somebody who is totally messing with the Jewish people for the Roman Empire and somebody who absolutely hates the Roman Empire. And we're going to live together for three years. What does that tell us? Right there, Jesus is saying, I don't look at the outside. God is saying, every one of you matters, and I want to bring all of you together, and I'm going to teach you to love each other. Even if you are at polar opposites from one another, the power of my love is I'm going to bring you together. So at the very end of his time, after three years together, in John chapter 15, here's what Jesus says to his disciples. He's sitting around with them at the end of his life before he's going to be crucified. And he says this, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. So one of the ways we know right here, the way that Jesus loved them, is he saw total, obscure, non-important people. And he said, I want you. And he's saying, hey, and I want you guys to love each other as I have loved you. See the beauty in every person, even those who are so different than you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. See, that's what Jack Will did in there. When Jack Will went away from all the cool people, which he was a part of, and he went and sat down next to Augie, who no one in the school would sit with. What did he just do? He laid down his life for a friend. And Jesus is saying, greater love has no one than if you do that. And then he says, you are my friends if you do what I command. If you love people who aren't like you, if you love people that nobody else is loving, every time you do that, Jesus goes, you're my friend. He says, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. And this is so cool. So this morning, Jesus is just making known to you, all of us in here. If we're going to really love and bring life, then we love each other the way that Jesus loves us. And I love this. You did not choose me, Jesus says, but I chose you. And now you know that all 12 of those guys were sitting there going, I know and I couldn't believe it. Why in the world did you choose me? And now what's he say? As I've loved you, so as I've chosen you, people who didn't deserve to be chosen, you love each other in the same way. So Jesus is making known to all of us this morning, you guys choose people that nobody else chooses. Ask them to be on your team. See them. Make them valuable. 
That's what I'm like. And then he says, I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And I think the fruit that we bear when we love each other the way Jesus loves, when we love people who aren't worthy, when we love people who aren't accepted, when we love people that nobody else loves, we bear fruit. And the fruit is inside another human being's heart. You cause them to skip with joy like Augie was doing in that spacesuit. And every one of you in this room has the power to do that. It's so cool. And he says, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. So, I just want to give you two ways, because this is easy, right? I'm probably not saying anything to you right now that you're sitting there going, oh my God, I had no idea that Jesus wanted us to do this. Of course, you, you know, people who aren't followers of Christ know that we should do this. My challenge for you is, will you actually do it? All of you guys who follow Christ, will you create here at Kensington a completely different environment? Because we're not judging each other. When you go to work tomorrow morning, will you be the one employee who looks at the other person that nobody really wants to be with at the coffee break who's sitting over there by themselves? Will you be the one that goes over and sits next to that person who drives everybody else crazy, including you? Can we be that person? I think we need power to be able to do that. So I'm going to give you two things, two ways to help us actually see differently so that we can love as Jesus loved us. All right? Here's the first one. We need to see the wonder of God's creation. We need to see the wonder of God's creation. So um, this summer, I, I, I love summer because... Um, I get up early in the morning and I just love to spend time with God every, every day. But once the, once the summer hits and I can sit outside, I absolutely love it. But this summer, there's been a totally different viewpoint that God's been giving me. And I'll sit in my backyard and I'll look out and Salt Lake is a... How many have you been to Salt Lake? How many have been there? Okay, it is a beautiful place. It's gorgeous. Majestic mountains everywhere except from my house. I can't see them from my house, but, but they're everywhere else. <laughs> but I can look out and here's what I see. And I'll just stop and I'll go, thank you, God. I just start off and I'll thank you, God. And I just thank him for anything I can think of. But this summer, the second thing I'll do is I'll just say, and I praise you, God. And I just praise you. And every morning I've looked out and I said, and I praise you for your creation. When, when's the last time you guys actually stopped and praised God thought deeply about his creation. You know what's cool about God's creation? Is everything that he creates actually provides life for us. You guys know that, right? Like, stop and think about that for a second. When God created the universe, the physical universe, even, right, the exact distance of the earth from the sun, let's talk the creation way out there, the tilt of the earth, everything has to be perfect just so we could actually have life. And so when God creates something out of his mind and creates it, it actually gives life. We have air to breathe. We have water. We have food. And here's the other cool thing about God's creation. So I'll sit there and I'll look at the trees and I'll look at the flowers and I'll look at everything. And God's creation, by his will, when he creates something, it produces stuff. Did you know that every living cell actually multiplies? Every living cell multiplies itself. It's producing something. 
And then the last thing that's hit me about God's creation, it's just pleasurable. So, seriously, sometime today, go out tonight. Man, last night was beautiful. And just sit there. And all of your senses, all of them, and you'll just feel, so I feel the breeze, and it's pleasurable, right? I see the sunset, or the sunrise, or the flowers in my eyes, it's pleasurable. I listen to the whoo 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 early this morning, and it's, there were geese flying, maybe not as pleasurable, but, but the sounds are pleasurable, the sight, I'm drinking my coffee, and the taste, and the smell of, think of this. Think about this. When God creates something, it produces pleasure and it produces life. And as I've been in awe of God's creation, here's what I feel like God's been saying to me. Hey, David, I created you. I created you. And I created you in your good. And I created you to produce in a very unique way. And I've created you to bring pleasure and blessing to everybody around you. And I've created you to give life to people around you. And here's what I know. Nature is simply living by the laws of nature. Even there are laws of nature. And when they use, and nature follows those laws and it's beautiful. It gives God glory. It brings life, it's productive, and it's pleasurable. And here's what I know. What Jesus came here to help us to see is when you and I follow God's law of love. He says everything. What's the greatest commandment? Love God, love each other. Everything else hinges on those things. Love God, love each other. Love. You can speak with tongues of men and angels. Without love, nothing. You can have faith that moves mountains. Without love, nothing. So love is a law that God has put in the spiritual realm in us because he is love and he created us in his image. So when you and I actually created by God in his image, understand the laws of love, his laws, and we submit to them and we do that, guess what? You become glorious. You become pleasure and pleasing to the people around you. You bring life to the Augies of this world. So you have to see the wonder of creation because here's what's true. Every one of you in this room is God's idea. He has created you. And when we believe that about everybody else, instead, what we're doing is we're looking at people and we're just judging people. And we're saying, well, you're this and you're that or you're not this or you're not that. If we could see the wonder of God's creation in every person, I think that's the starting point of being able to see differently. Because people can't change how they look or who they are. But as the principal said, but maybe we can change how we see. So man, let's see the beauty and the glory of the creation. Look at this, Colossians chapter one, verse 16. A couple verses that help me with this so deeply. First one says this, for in him, for in Jesus Christ, all things were created. 
things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or, thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. And here's the beautiful thing. It's created in him. And that's all it is. You guys, in the Old Testament, right, it says, how did God actually create the world in the Old Testament? He did what? He spoke, okay? The Bible says he spoke and it came. And I don't know if God said tree and a tree popped up. I don't think that's what it means. But you know what a spoken word is? You know what I'm doing? I have ideas. And you now know what my ideas are because I spoke them. A word is an idea expressed. And so in him, everything was created. You and every person you see is God's idea expressed. And look at this, Revelation 4.11. You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they were created, and they have their being. You exist because God had a will. And you guys, here's a cool thing. God's will is good and pleasing and perfect. When God wants to do something, it's always good. It's always created to bring life and pleasure and be productive. So every person you run into, the only reason they're here on this planet is because God willed them to be there and his ideas are good. So what's the problem? Well, the problem is instead of instinctively knowing that we're gloriously made, we live in a world where our value is totally based on our performance and other people's opinions. Immediately, that's the world we're thrust into. That's all we live with every day, is our performance and people's opinions. And for some of you, it start, well, all of us, it started right off the bat with your parents. And for some of you, your own parents couldn't see the beauty of who you are, and you'll never measure up, and you hurt. Some of you, it was your siblings, probably more your siblings than your parents who said some cutting remarks and you bought this lie. And for everybody, it's as soon as you walked out of your house and you went to school and you went into this world. Because it's all about how pretty are you? And this doesn't change now, right? How good looking are you? How athletic are you? How smart are you? How funny are you? How successful are you? How, church, spiritual are you? How good are you? And the problem is, how do you know? Am I smart enough? Am I pretty enough? Am I spiritual enough? Am I good enough? The only way we know is we run into each other. And then people reflect back to us whether we are. And I, I want to say, you know, what, you know what almost every human being is like? We stand in front of a mirror because that's what they are. They're reflecting back to us. You guys been to those circus mirrors? That's what everybody, everybody reflects back to us. You look and you go, am I smart enough? Nope. Am I pretty enough? Nope. And so you live your life, and every one of us in this room has felt the pressure of not being good enough in whatever area. And so even today, 53 years old, however old you are, you're still doing it. So what do we do? Like Augie, we put on a helmet, a space helmet. And we put on this thing because, oh my gosh, I'm not good enough, and so I can't let you see who I really am. And the half of you out there, you're trying really hard. And you're hoping that your achievements will be enough. Where you live will be enough. Your house will be enough. Your car will be enough. Some of you are going for it because you have to prove to everybody else that you're worthy. And the other half of you have totally, you know you're not. And so you've pulled back. So you've hesitated. You've avoided. 
you haven't taken the risks and you wake up every morning and you look in the mirror and you go, this is not the life I want to live. And you know what you need to do? You need to run in to a jack will. While you're sitting there berating yourself because you don't think you're good enough with your helmet on, you need someone to come and sit by you and look past this false self that you've created trying to be somebody that's lovable and instead have them go right past that and see you. And I tell you what, if that happens, then Romans 12, 2, it simply says this, do not conform to the pattern of this world because the pattern of this world, you guys, is performance and me judging you. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. See and think differently about every creation of God. And then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. You'll see and approve God's will. And hey, what's God's will? Every person on this planet. Because it was by His will that He created everyone. And if you get rid of this pattern of this world, you can start loving people. And then they will be free to be who they truly are. And so see the wonder of creation. That's the main thing I want to say today. But really quick, just to drive the point home, then see the wonder of God's love. You got to see the wonder of God's love. 2 Corinthians 5 says this, for Christ's love compels us. Can I just ask you, when you do see people who aren't like you, when you see somebody who's off, that's rejected, who doesn't meet the standard anymore, why don't you, just think, have you ever thought about it? Why don't I go and love that person? Why am I avoiding them too? Why am I rejecting them? Well, the Bible says it's His love, it's Christ's love that actually compels us. And then he goes on, because we're convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all, Jesus Christ died for all, every person you ever meet. Why? Because he created every one of them. <laughs> See, he's not looking at people going, oh, you're good and you're bad, or you're, you're lovely and you're unlovely. No, God is going, no, everybody's lovely. Everybody's beautiful. I created them. The problem is they've been marred, they've been wounded, they've been rejected, and so they don't know that they're lovely. She goes, so I got to come, and I'm going to show you how valuable you are. I'm going to die for who? Hello? Everybody, because everybody's my creation, and I'm going to redeem them, I'm going to restore them, and I'm going to rescue them. So he goes, so and, and as a Christian, all the Christian is someone who's convinced of that. What's he say? He died for all. I'm convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves. So I'm not going to live for me anymore, but I'm going to live for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Christians, you know what we should be? You know what God wanted? He wanted people that he would pour his love in. Because when you run into Jesus, when you actually run into him, he's the only mirror that's not messed up. He's the only mirror that when you look at him, holy God, his love comes back and you go, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. 
I'm a glorious creation of God. Jesus is the only one. So then what he does is once you get loved by God, that way he pours his love into your heart. And then that love begins to heal your heart so that when you then run into another human being, you actually have a chance to reflect back to them, you're beautiful. You're glorious. Yeah, I know you're putting on this mask and you're being a jerk because you want to be better than everybody else. Or you're, you're totally, I know you're, 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 you're kind of reclusive because you're afraid because you've been so judged and so beat down. But you know what? That's not how I see you. That's not how I see you. Because I know you're a creation of God's. I know that. I believe that. I'm not going to conform to the pattern of this world. I'm not going to see you from a worldly point of view. No way, man. God has poured his love in my heart and he loves me and I'm messed up. And I know you're messed up too, but I'm going to let you know you are loved by God. you got to see the wonder of God's love who loves broken, messed up people. And once you receive that, you can finally give it to somebody else. And that's how Jesus would change this world. That's how Jesus will change your workplace tomorrow. That's how Jesus could change your home this afternoon. That's how Jesus could bless hundreds of people out in the lobby before you all take off. You're not going to live for yourself. You're going to see the beauty of every person in this room. The wonder of the creation that they are. All right? So let's pray. Father, thank you so much for sending Jesus into the world so that we could know your love. And the reality is, God, you love, you're crazy about every person here. And we just pray, I just pray right now that you'd move in us and help us to see that and help us to believe that. And I ask that your spirit would help us, God, to know that love so that we can give it to each other and to the people in our sphere of influence who need it so bad. And I pray for that in Jesus' name. Amen. So we have a real life story now. An office mate of mine here at K2 years ago, Craig Mays. So I planted a church out in Salt Lake from Kensington, and Craig planted a church in New York from Kensington. And we have an amazing story of a person who felt worthless, who got marred, who got injured, but somebody helped him to see that he's a beautiful creation. And we're going to watch this real-life story, not a movie created, but a real-life story. While we do that, we're going to go ahead and take our offering, okay? So if you came and you're prepared to give, if you're visiting, just, just enjoy this. But if this is your home and you love God, then go ahead and give your offering as we do this. And let's watch this story, and then we'll close. first time I smoked crack gave me the sensation of uh, all of a sudden just relief from all the, the brokenness and the hurt inside and it was immediate high that I felt euphoria that all of a sudden that in an instant I felt good every time I had some money in my hand I would run and go get some crack
1988, I was in New York City. I started off with a job, working part-time at UPS. And on Thursdays when I would get my money, I wouldn't even make it home. I would go by the crack dealer. And thinking I was gonna take a couple hits and go home, I, want, I stayed in until all my money was gone. And eventually, I started using all my money and not paying my bills. And that became the number one priority in my life. It was powerful, it started controlling my life. And I couldn't sustain any type of uh, life, livelihood. I, I just quickly went down. Every so often I would call home for help. And my mother was always there trying to help me any way she could. So at that time, I didn't know it was such an enabler, but she, out of a kind heart, she would help me out with money. And I'd tell her I would do the best I can and pay my bills. But most of the time, I used all the money for using crack. And that just kept me getting deeper and deeper in my addiction. And I didn't care about how I looked, how I smelled. I would like ride the trains in the subway get huddled up in the corner with the clothes I had on for weeks, smelly, dirty, and pretty soon I isolated myself from everybody. authority and I still had a crack pipe in my shoe and by the grace of God God released me from my addiction and I don't know I can't explain to this moment how it happened but I know that I was released and I knew what he was doing and I started crying right then out of tears of joy because I got I knew God felt my pain he felt my pain, and I knew I was released. And I was right there in front of a lady who was passing out tracks for the homeless, about, for Jesus. And I walked up to her and I said, I don't need to be here anymore. And she prayed for me. And she touched me on the shoulder and says, you love the Lord. And I left the Port of Authority after that. And someone, like an angel, came around the corner and he said, no, go across, go over there on the corner. People's over there, they're feeding. And you can get some hot soup and hot cocoa. And I went over there and it was a relief bus. And that relief bus drove me to the rescue mission. 
And when I went to the rescue mission, I felt like I belonged. I walked in there and it was like a God said, it was a place where you go there and you feel like people care about you. People love you. People take the time to see who you are. So at the mission, we don't really like to talk about homeless people because we believe they're people first. And homeless just happens to be a situation that they're in now. We believe that every single person is of great value and of dignity and worthy of love and respect. But they're often not treated that way as we see them on the street in New York City. They're more often viewed as a problem to be solved. But when you hear Charles' story, you realize all these years there was this amazing person uh, that was left hidden and, and buried behind the addiction and the poverty and the homelessness and the despair. Here I am walking into the Port Authority where I lived for most of my 30 years, homeless and my 30 years of drug addiction. I would be right here in the place trying to help someone with their baggage, carrying it to the to the to their gate for a tip so I can afford my crack habit, which was a hundred dollars a day habit. And I would start it off here because it would be the easiest way for me to get to fast money to get my first high for the day. This is where I would go to sleep, down here, all night, if I wasn't driven out by the Port Authority uh, police. I would wake up, just like this fella right here, sleeping, and then I would leave here, start my morning, and I would walk over to the public bath and wash up, start my day. It was just astounding to think about him being 30 years on the streets, and to think that he had spent all that time, uh, for me, the question was, how did he even survive? I'll never forget the time when um, even the CEO of the mission and Craig Mays asked me to, if you want to come down at four o'clock and go running with me. I asked Charles about running and he said he'd like to do it. So I told him to meet me in the lobby on a Tuesday at four o'clock. And, and I met him down there at four o'clock and we went running for the first time and had to be like 20 years. It was extraordinary because there was so much joy in him that he was actually doing something that he could recall back when he was a child, when he was in high school, when he was in college, because he was a great athlete. And he hadn't really cared too much about exercise and his body for many, many years. So to be doing something that was maybe not recently familiar, but he had, he had memories of that, meant a lot to him. In fact, so much to him that he couldn't stop talking. He was just describing to me uh, the river and the sky and the birds and the trees. And, you know, he was gasping for air. I kept Man, I wish my mother could see me now, running down here. I mean, I said, look at here. I'm running out here on the Hudson River, and the people's in the park just playing with their kids, and the sun is shining. This is beautiful, how nice it is. And 
I just couldn't believe that I was in this atmosphere, in this environment. He just couldn't help but express himself. And but for me, then the test was: Will he come back? And that that kind of lit a fire in him. He became one of those faithful guys that just showed up. And you know, Charles showed up for everything. And I think that's part of his journey of why he was able to beat this: is that he showed up for everything. It was really through our relationship and our friendship and and uh, spending time together and that commitment to each other that I think God really did a work in his life. It's good to see you, man. Everything, how was your day? It was good. It was okay. Good. I recognized early on that there was a, a special opportunity for Charles to leverage, you know, what all the years that were lost really could be leveraged for good. And he could take his, his life experience and the transformation that he was going through and use that to encourage other people to join him on that journey. And that's exactly what he's done. And when he finally finished the program and we, we gave him an internship for a while and he went to school and began to study peer intervention and uh, peer mediation and went through training and took classes. And so when the time was right, you know, I created an opportunity for him to join the staff. And he really, in some respects, is like the face and the voice uh, of the mission. He's the first person we want people to meet. He's the voice we want them to hear because he's genuine, he's full of hope, and he just, he lifts people up. tell you when Jesus comes into your life let me tell you it turns all those things that I thought like getting high running uh, the streets it turns that all around and it gives you life that joy inside that you don't need no drugs that you don't need you don't need you don't need to run after the streets and what's telling you out there in the streets it begins with the relationship with Jesus I want everybody to begin a relationship with Jesus. Jesus says today, salvation today is at hand. Today it is. Not tomorrow, it's today. And I'm living proof right now. Now that I got my life back, I want to greet people who's on the streets now. Help them make efforts to change their life. You'll be telling a testimony about how I overcame. Because that's what Jesus does. He takes the broken and makes it real. I thought I just like you, I thought I was a loser. But you're not a loser. You're a winner. You're a winner. To be able to walk with them like people walk through my life. And just give them the love that it was given to me. I think that when you decide to link up with Jesus and hang out with God, He asks everything of you. And that everything is going to impact the lowest uh, stratus of society, the poor, the marginalized, the forgotten. Jesus will give you abundant life and a wonderful life in Christ Jesus. And that began when I met somebody that knew Jesus, that really knew Jesus and came into my life. Invited me into their life. Yeah. So, so what's the truth? The truth is Charles was gloriously created, right? He's gloriously created by God. 
And then the circumstances of life caused him to put on his helmet and hide who he really was. And then the love of God touched his heart and then he ran into people who had the love of God. And now he's living gloriously. What's he doing? He's being productive. He's bringing pleasure and he's bringing life to other people. So here's the truth. For you and I to be able to be that for other people, it has to start with God's love for us. First thing that has to happen, we got to know, man, that you are gloriously made. At the end of wonder, right at the end, Augie's with his dad and they're all getting dressed up. And uh, there's this beautiful, beautiful phrase where he says, Augie, you've come a long way. Man, you used to wear a helmet all the time. And Augie goes, I love that helmet. He goes, I wish I knew where it was. And his dad goes, it's in my office. And he's like, why did you do that? And he goes, because I never got to see you anymore. I missed your face. I know you don't always like it, but I love it. It's my son's face, and I want to see it. I'm telling you, God so wants to rescue you from your efforts of trying to be what this false person out there or the one who's hesitating. He wants to take your helmet off, throw it away, and he wants to see you. He wants to come after the real you that he created. So as we sing this song, the reckless love of God that would die for you, all through this you're going to sing, he's coming after me. Every time you sing, he's coming after me. Just know he's coming after the real you. He wants the glorious creation of you to come alive so that you can therefore help other people come alive, right? So let's stand together and let's close with a song of worship to a God who loves us so greatly.
you know that love? Do you know that? Do you know that reckless wonder of God's love that looks at you and just goes, oh, I love what I created. And he's kicking down everything. He's doing everything he can to tear down all the stuff that's kept you from being who you are. Man, if you don't, if you don't know that love, I, I just say there's people who are ready to pray with you, who would come to you and just help you to say, you can receive that love of God inside your heart. And now can I just say, for all of us who have, for all of us who have, let's be God's tool into this world. Because he wants to run down people too. He wants to kick down stuff to get to their heart. But he's going to use you. So what's your application? Before you leave today, let's love each other. Let's not just walk out. Let's not ignore each other. Let's just, let's actually see each other even in the next 10 minutes before you leave. Let's bless each other before we go out of here. Wake up tomorrow morning, go into your workplace and see the glory of every creation and bless somebody with the love of God. Let's do it. Let's make a difference. And if God gave you an Augie inside you, if you know there's one person, make a commitment to Jesus. I'm going in. I'm going in. I'm going to be reckless in my love and I'm going to bless that person and bring them life. All right? God bless you guys. Have a great day.